Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we're going a little bit out of order with a very special episode on the 2021 teen horror film Fear Street Part 3, 1666. This is directed by Lee Yaniak. It stars Kiana Madeira, Ashley Zuckerman, Gillian Jacobs, Olivia Scott Welch, Benjamin Flores Jr., Darrell Britt Gibson, Sadie Sink, Emily Rudd, McCabe Sly, Julia Raywalk, Fred Hitchinger, Jordana Spiro, and Jordan D. Natale, as well as Ted Sutherland, if I didn't already say his name. I am Jesse, and I am here for our third and final recap of this Fear Street trilogy that Netflix have been putting out over the last three weeks. Thank you for joining me and keeping me company. I do recommend that if you are interested in this Fear Street trilogy, that you go back and check out part one and part two, which have already come out um, on Netflix, as well as our bonus podcast on the Flix Forum. I'm going to be ruining, spoiling this whole trilogy in this quick little brief chat. So if you were interested in seeing these films, please give us a pause. Come back a little bit later on because this is um, going to be giving away the whole story, I guess, of the three films. So uh, we always start off our show with a fast flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film's about. And this one, it's a step back in time to 1666 to reveal the true meaning behind the shady side curse in the hope that it can be broken in our 1994 timeline. So uh, if you've seen the films, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it might be a little bit confusing, but I'm guessing most of you wouldn't be jumping in for part three if you hadn't seen the previous two parts. Now, just like the other films, um, I did do a little bit more of an in-depth look at how this one was put together in the first part episode, but realistically, it's, it's based on the R.L. Stein Fear Street series. It was meant to be released theatrically by Fox, COVID hit, wasn't released, Disney bought Fox, sold it to Netflix, and that's how we've got it here on Netflix. And this is obviously the final part in the trilogy. Uh, it was released on the 16th of July, 2021. Um, and obviously part one and part two were released in the weeks prior. Uh, although this is the third film in the trilogy, it was filmed second after part one, um, before part two. And it makes sense once you've seen the films now that it, a majority of the characters from part one are, are playing characters in the past in part three. So a very cool and creepy way to sort of tie this all together and would have been a lot easier to keep the cast and crew together um, from the first to the, the third because there's so much, um, you know, overlay of, of these um, actors and actresses playing these characters. Um, I think the, the interesting thing with this one is I think that R.L. Stein actually visited the set for this one uh, while they were filming it. So it's got his tick of approval um, on, on this film. Um, consensus time. This is where we, we have a look at what people around the world are saying and, and critics and people just like myself out there giving it a rating. Um, we start off with Rotten Tomatoes where this one, uh, it's up 5% on the second one and it sits at 94% from critics. That's on 51 reviews. So this is fresh, which is um, 94% is pretty high. Um, the audience on Rotten Tomatoes has it on 85%. That's on a bit over 100 reviews. So again, quite high. And the same on our other platforms that we look at. So on IMDb, it's sitting on about a 6.8 at the time of recording this and on Letterboxd sits at a 3.7 out of 5 and I think these numbers are fluctuating um, as we speak going up and up and up with the amount of people who are actually tuning in for the third and final part of this trilogy. My only thoughts, my only thoughts for this one. So this, this it's, it's a bit of a weird take because obviously we've seen the first one was set in the 90s and sort of, you know, looked at the way that Scream was made and showed a little bit of, of 90s horror films. And the second one, again, was set in the 70s, so it, it took on things like 
um, Friday the 13th and, and those sorts of teen films that are set in the woods. And this one, again, it's it sort of... Um, it's a cross between, I guess, The Crucible with uh, Winona Ryder, if you've seen that, and and The Witch, the recent sort of film that that goes back in this time and um, looks in the past, and and this does sort of um, come back around towards the end. I've already said I'm going to spoil this, and it ties everything together really nicely. Um, very, very well done, realistically, that they've been able to go back in time and tell a story that's gone across multiple generations. So I appreciated that um, from the get-go. Character time. Talk about some characters in this one, and I'm going to mainly focus on the characters in the 1666 part, um, because we've discussed the others in, in the first episode from 1994, and we do get to see them at the end back at, I guess they called it part two of the 1994 film, but it, like I mentioned before, the characters that we see early on, they're played by the same actors and actresses in this part as different characters, so... Um, D from the 1990s version. She is Sarah Fear in this one. Um, spelled F-I-E-R, but obviously a little bit of a play on words with Fear Street. And she plays this character in this one where um, she's a young girl who's going to be married off to this guy called Solomon. Um, and he's much older than her, obviously a reflection of the times. And, and she comes across as this rebellious teenager that, you know, really just wants to be a kid. Um, she likes to stand up for herself and in doing this creates enemies and and people accusing her of obviously being a witch because she's different um, and different from the mold of what people want to say. And, and I guess that, you know, this is a common theme that we see in teen sorts of films. Um, in this one, again, she, she's... So in, in the 90s version, we see that Dee has a partner, Sam, um, the lesbian couple. And in this one, um, so we see Sarah is... Has feelings towards this character called Hannah, and Hannah is the same character as Sam. And in this one, she's the the pastor's daughter, um, obviously well respected in the community. Her mother doesn't want her to be seen with Sarah um, because she has this suspicion that they have feelings for each other. And obviously, at that time, like I mentioned before, not not really accepted um, in in society. And and this sort of plays out and, and leads to the two being accused of, of being witches. And we, we see other characters throughout playing from the first film, playing different characters in this one as well. The brother, um, Josh, plays the brother of of Sarah in this one called Henry. Um, and I think the, the big one that you need to talk about is is Solomon um, Good, who is the, the counterpiece of Nick, the, the sheriff or the police officer that we're seeing. And this Solomon guy comes across at the start as a decent man and and as an audience member I really wanted to trust him and I thought that what he was doing was right and then obviously there's a bit of a twist which was done um, quite timely I guess because as an audience you work out quickly that Sarah is not actually a witch and they answered this question very, very quickly where you understand that, that Solomon and this the family lineage of, of these people have felt harshly done by and Solomon... I guess his greed overwhelms him from the despair of being a part of this union town, which later becomes uh, shady side, and he kicks off this whole curse. So it's revealed finally. We understand where all these villains have come through throughout the ages. It's it's because of them trying to keep the family name in the in the good side of town and to ensure that they have a good life. I guess and that's where we're at with this one there <laughs> without trying to give away too much of the plot. And we've spoken about the director, um, Lee Yannick directed all of these films. Time to talk a little bit about some scenes in, in this one, 1666 that stood out. And uh, again, spoilers, but there's a scene where 
the the curse starts to overtake this town and the pastor is locks himself in in the church with a whole bunch of kids and the they break in solomon breaks in and you see the the pastor up on the lectern and all these kids are sitting in the pews and they've had their eyes taken out and this was just a big shock for me i was like wow like some very graphic um killings and and gore in this one as well as the previous films in this series too uh Again, there's another Stephen King reference, which really tickled my fancy. Um, they decided to bring up the Carrie reference again, and and they managed to get a big bucket of blood and and pour it over Nick Good's um, head, which I just really really liked. And and finally, this is right at the end of the film. We see that everything comes together in this film, and um, Dee and Sam are finally together. They're they're kissing, and the camera sort of um, high angle reverses out of there over the two of them, and sort of goes on this bit of a, a journey throughout the the credits as the credit as the credits intertwine and we see that the, the camera goes back into this underground area where we've spent a bit of part over these films and the book of spells is still sitting there and we see a hand quickly grab that book and and sort of run off and obviously it's nice to see that they've left this open just enough in case this is this series is successful and they want to continue on and and do another story in this fear street um series which could be quite nice uh, there's only one thing that that sort of um was a little bit nosy for me in this one and it's towards the end we've got the the good characters coming together um christine and um or ziggy uh, as long as De, as well as Dee and her brother josh um and martin who who i will talk a little bit about later on they're all inside the shopping mall around this tree where everything's happened and and Dee does his pep talk i guess to get them all on board and explain the importance of of why they're doing what they're doing and, and how they should be doing it and it was just so lame <laughs> so so lame but apart from that this this film sits pretty well with me um especially with some of the themes and ideas in this one and they continue on a little bit from the second one this idea of shady siders um or the the socio-economic lower class that they are that you know they're, they're a curse a curse is that poverty is a curse and the trauma of of being involved in poverty um and how these characters are trying to overcome it not just for themselves but hopefully for those around them as well um i, I thoroughly enjoyed the the commentary on on same-sex couples throughout this film it's been done in such a positive light and um you know it's just nice to see it not shut down for a change and i think they've done it in such a good way um this one too is a little bit more about greed um especially through the character of solomon and and it highlights this this family line that nick's a part of as well that they do this really well in the 1666 setting of, of rottenness and you see fruits becoming rotten and you see pigs going crazy and, and eating their children and the water well being poisoned and and all these things of, of you know if you do become too greedy um not everything's going to be nice for you and i did like that and and finally this idea of innocence too um hannah and sarah it, it didn't matter if they if they were witches or if they weren't witches they they were accused and and brought to trial without any real evidence and um that's a whole thing that that teens feel that they're always in trouble or they're always being told off for things they're doing and and you know sometimes they are just innocent they're, they're not necessarily doing the wrong thing and it was just nice to see that in this film too um so what did, what did we take away from this one what what are my final thoughts or not quite my final thoughts but what am i thinking from this and I think that it's really hard sometimes in a trilogy to to tie everything together really nicely over three films and there's a lot more pressure on this film 
than usual trilogy because usually you have years or, or 12 months break in between to to break up and give audiences time to sit and dwell over what's going on but these previous films are so fresh in your mind because they've only come out you know weeks prior um and um it was really crucial that they got this right and they should be really proud that they did that you know we have three films released over three weeks and there there were very little letdowns and, and i really liked that i think that was good um I've been talking about some questions that I was hoping were going to be answered over the the progress of, of these three films, and I'm pretty satisfied with where we've gone. And I think I, I started off talking about the adults in this world, and you know, the first two films there were very few adults in the world, and and there are a lot more in this 1666 world. We we saw Solomon, and we saw the pastor and his wife, and um, Crazy Thomas, and and a lot more adults in this one than we have in the previous ones. And I think that they've done that well to hold it off to the last one because this sort of gives this commentary on on society as we've moved forward and that, you know, previously in the past, parents played a big role or adults played a big role in the bringing up of kids and maybe they need to take more of a role. Uh, maybe we need to reflect back on those times and be like, hey, time to step up and and, and be there to support our kids. And I, I don't know if that's just me taking that out, but I, I really liked that. Um, I think I referred, and this is another part, I think I referred to him as Urkel. I'm not sure why, but um, Martin, we, we hear these names, Martin. This is the dude that gave Josh the business card and, um, I think he comes across as another victim of, of the of goods poor policing, um, and he's there at the end to help take down these these bad people. And I liked that we got that closure for his character too. It wasn't just put out there as a, a red herring that wasn't um, sort of sold. So that was good too. Um, I asked as well about these clocks in Christine's house or Ziggy's house. Um, I, this is probably one of the things that let me down. I would have liked a a shot of her ripping them all down or throwing them all out because now that this curse has been lifted she doesn't need them in that house anymore um no matter what they were there for um but she does not need them anymore so it would have been nice to see them all disappear um and obviously last week i did have a big question about what's so special about nick's family um and this was definitely revealed i've already gone into it bits and pieces but uh, well and truly revealed in this one and then that that big pumping organ that was in that den um and i think it's just that symbol of, of evil working throughout the town and and obviously that is destroyed um at the end of the film which was nice so I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm very satisfied. I hope you guys are too. I hope that this trilogy has been um, a nice little thing to keep you going week by week over the last few weeks. For me, um, I'm going to finalize this and, and bring it all together. And like I've mentioned before, this does a really good job at answering all the questions, um, closes all the plot holes, and it brings together a, a pretty engaging trilogy. Uh, the performances throughout this, you know, were really good because they kept it from turning into like this b-grade series you know everyone involved should be proud there are certain scenes that could go completely haywire or be interpreted as really corny and i think that at times yes that does happen but without the cast that they had in this it could have got a lot worse um the reverse storytelling as well it really worked and it, it gives this trilogy a point of difference um in a very overcrowded market of these types of films so uh, well done all around. Uh, uh, very, very close to like being like, this is the, the conclusion to a trilogy. Do I need to bump it up a bit higher? But I'm going to keep it at a three and a half out of five and a really solid closure for this trilogy of films, uh, which I've enjoyed and I hope you have as well. Um, if you have enjoyed what we've been talking about with these films, please do go back and check out some of our other episodes in our catalogue. We've got over 150 original Netflix original films that have been covered um, 
on this podcast. So feel free to Google search us, find us, see if there's any that you've seen, um, and have a listen to our take on some of these films too. If you've got social media, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a tweet, give us a retweet, whatever you can. Um, the question I want to put out there to socials this week is, what's your favorite trilogy of films? Do you have an all-time favorite? Is it like the Godfather series or Lord of the Rings? What The Back to the Future trilogy as well. There, there are so many good trilogies out there. What is um, one of your all-time favorite trilogies of films? Um, I'd like to say thanks again for keeping me company. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, obviously, keep our ear out on a Wednesday for our regular programming, which will be returning, and stay safe.